Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Friday. It's Freeform Fridays. Glad to have you along. It's a good day, isn't it? It is a good day. You know why it's a good day? Because the Lord Jesus, the King of the universe, made this day. And that's all we need to know to rejoice and be glad in it. I know there's a lot of stuff going on out there. There's a lot of, there are a lot of battles being fought and there are things that if we ponder them, they will get us down and discourage us, but we are not going to stay there because we know the Lord Jesus. We know he has a plan. We know he is in charge, that he is building his kingdom and he is heaping blessings on us and we are going to rejoice in this day, are we not? Let's do it. If you have a beverage, which I always recommend bringing a beverage to our daily gatherings, let's take a sip together. Ah, Taste and see how good the Lord is. Are you rejoicing? We talked about this last week, right? I told you I want to help you rejoice in 2024. Are you rejoicing? Have you been paying attention to the numerous blessings that the Lord has poured out upon you this week? Are you praying? Are you seeing the answers? Are you giving him thanks and receiving those gifts from him as gifts to find joy in all that he's doing for you? It's a good day. It's been a good week. We're going to talk more about that in a little bit. First, uh, a couple of weeks ago or so, I mentioned this idea of kind of going through the motions. And uh, we're talking about Bible study and the difference between doing a Bible study and learning. And several people mentioned how that sort of got their attention. Uh, Like we don't think about this necessarily. We get in these routines, we get in these habits of going through motions. And I think we feel good for being busy We feel good for doing the process without the intentional pursuit of actually getting something accomplished. And that's what we were talking about with the Bible study. Somebody asked me, you know, what Bible reading plan do I recommend? I said, I I don't look at it that way. I'm not, I don't go through a plan. I want to learn. That's what I'm setting out to do is learn something. And As we talked about that, and I discussed that with some other folks as well, I I began to think through even more ways that we do that. Uh, How much of the the, the way you spend your time is going through a process without clearly seeking and tracking and, and, and pursuing accomplishment and productivity. Um, So a year plus ago, I signed up for the uh, Duolingo app. Are you familiar with that app? It's a language learning app. And I decided to learn Spanish. My daughter and I are uh, learning Spanish together. And uh, it's a a really well done application. If you haven't uh, tried it and you want to learn, learn something, learn language, uh, it's a good place to start. Uh, And it, uh, it's, they're really good. They understand 
how we are as humans. And they, the app is really good at keeping us motivated to keep going. Uh, and of course, that's because if you don't keep going, then you're probably going to let your subscription run out <laughs> and they don't make any money. So it's, uh, they have an incentive there. But it's really effective. And it's the kind of thing where it gives you reminders every day to pop up and, hey, do this quick lesson. And they are quick. If you're speedy, you can do it in two to three minutes. So here's what I realized I was doing. Uh, two things. Number one, uh, as I got closer to a year, it kept telling me, you are about to have this 365-day streak. And that was motivating. I, I haven't missed a day. I'm up to, I don't know, almost 500 days now. Um, but, it, I, I, well, I'm still motivated. But especially as I got to that year, I was not going to miss a day because I was going to do 365 in a row. And then since then, you know, I forget or I wait till I'm in bed. I'm tired, but I'm still going to do it because I'm not going to let that streak go by. So that's a good motivator. But here's what I realized I was doing, not not just to keep the streak alive, but I was I have a very good short-term memory and I'm pretty good at guessing when I have uh, some general pieces of information. And what I have found myself doing is finishing the lessons pretty quickly and keeping my streak alive but I'm not learning. I'm going through the motions. I'm doing the app, but I'm not actually learning. And this, this occurred to me several months ago, and I committed at that point to taking my time and focusing on the sentence that I'm translating or the word that I'm learning or whatever, whatever it is. And I'm, I'm, in, I'm intentionally in my, you know, mentally walking through and working through the process of making sure that I understand this lesson. And when I do that, what was taking me two to three minutes, you know, it's taking five, six, seven minutes or, or more sometimes, but usually not, not really because they're, they're designed to be quick. But my grasp of Spanish, my understanding began to increase and then I realized just a month ago, I had fallen back into the habit of just getting it done. Well, what good is that? If a year from now, you know, I'm over two years of never missing a day, but I haven't learned hardly any Spanish, it's all a waste of time. Because my motivation at that point is simply to check the box, to get through the process, to say I'm doing it, to feel good about keeping my streak alive. That's, that's, I didn't say, you know, what I'd really like, like to do is find an app that will have reminders and incentives and little, uh, little icons of uh, some little creature that, you know, high fives and dances when I complete things. And you know, what I really want is to feel good about completing a daily something. Oh, here's an app that'll do that. Let's do that. that. That's not what I set out to do. I set out to learn Spanish. Anything short of learning Spanish is a failure. So that got me thinking about all kinds of ways that we do that going to church, 
if you've watched my series on the church, I can tell you now, having done this for a couple years, the fellowship, the love for one another, the community that we have, and the learning that's taking place in the home fellowship is far superior to what happens in institutional churches with a service and a building and all that. It's it just, it is, it's better. And I, I realize in our setting, it's you just can't go through the motions. But in the traditional institutional church, you can. You can just go check the box of showing up in the service, paying attention along the way, singing a few songs, whatever, go home and feel good. I went to church. You can do this with anything. You can you can do this with uh, you know date nights. If you uh, take your wife out on a date every week, you could just be a checkbox as opposed to engaging in the relationship with one another and making sure that that time that you choose to spend and set aside that it's it's profitable for the relationship. Now, habits are good and, and processes are good to, you know, systems are good to, to keep us, to, to make sure we, we set the time aside to do what we want to do. But we always have to remember the goal is to get it done, is to accomplish something. So I would, I would encourage you to think through how you spend your time. Well, maybe back up. What are you trying to accomplish? What are you trying to produce in life? What, what, are, you, what are you pursuing this week, this month? And are you actually pursuing it? Now, again, there's a place to stop and look at the process and say, is my system helping me get there? But you need to regularly come back and say, am I actually achieving the goal that I set out to achieve? You will find more joy in life because you're being productive and you're doing what the Lord's called you to do if you are actually pursuing the end. So I put that out that out there for you. Give some thought to it and see how many areas of your life you're just kind of going through the motions, checking the boxes. Uh, you're, you're keeping your streak alive, <laughs> but you're not actually doing anything. You have nothing to show for it. You're not learning. You're not growing. You're not increasing this or that or, or whatever. Uh, and then change it. Change it. It's good to do. All right. Uh, something else to consider on uh, how to be joyful in 2024. This one, uh, to get better at this for some of us, takes some humble self-evaluation, but it's basically this. Refuse to engage in strife and dissension this year. Well, let's start with today. <laughs> this weekend, this week. Refuse to argue. Now, I don't mean argument there in the sense of truly going back and forth with someone where you love them, they love you, you're giving each other the benefit of the doubt, and you're seeking truth. That's the kind of argument that I love, I long for, I welcome, and that actually helps me grow, and I think it helps others grow. That's not what I mean. I'm using it in the colloquial sense of nothing more than a petty debate. You're wrong. I'm assuming the worst of you. And I want to make sure you know where you're wrong. I'm going to get upset at your words. I'm, I'm going to have a reaction and, and not a generous, kind reaction. It's a choice, friends. It's a choice 
how you react to someone you disagree with, someone who says something you don't like, someone who says something you think is incorrect. Your attitude and your reaction there is a choice, and I urge you, refuse to argue. I tell guys this all the time as I help them with their marriage. Arguing with anyone, arguing with a woman, arguing with your wife, it never turns out well. It just doesn't. And again, you understand how I'm using the word argue. When we're when we're in a debate and 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 causing this dissension with somebody else, we we're not objective. We don't want the best for the other person. We want to make sure that our opinion is stressed. We want to convince the person that that we are right, that I'm right. That's what most marital arguments are. You're wrong, I'm right. You did it wrong, that upsets me. You, 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 you. And I'm telling you the way out of that is just to refuse to engage at that level of strife and dissension. This is commanded all over the New Testament. The Lord is angry at the one who causes strife among brothers. And I think we don't think we're part of that. And yet we may be more a part of it than we realize. I'll tell you, I get comments uh, on our videos and, and there are, there's a couple different kind of people that, uh, that lay out comments. Some have uh, a disagreement with what I've said and they express what they think is true and accurate. And that's great. Others, they don't actually have an argument. They don't have premises leading to conclusion. Uh, they don't have actual um, point to make. Here, here's what you said. Here's where I think it's wrong. Here's what I think is right. That that's not what they get. It's you know, it it becomes a personal attack, a personal. Um, in, in logic, it's called the ad hominem, right? They're, 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 they can't attack my reasoning, they attack my argument kind of thing. Now, in written exchange, this is difficult because our tone does matter. I, you know, the tone police, that whole business is, is if you're, your only reason for questioning someone is because you think they use the incorrect tone, that's not helpful. But tone does help in expressing uh, you know, humility and, and concern for someone. And uh, so you don't get that in the written form. So it's difficult. And I misinterpret people sometimes. And, uh, and you know, if I do that to you, uh, forgive me. I don't, I don't intend to do that. But, you know, sometimes I read a comment, and this gets back to what we talked about last week, by the way. Uh, sometimes I read a comment and it starts to, you know, frustrate me. And then my practice typically is to not respond till the next day. And so often I'll read it the next day and think, oh, 
<laughs> that doesn't sound at all like I heard it in my head yesterday. Sometimes it's because of my sleep <laughs> or something else that got me kind of cranky and I just interpreted it through a, you know, through a certain lens. Uh, and that's, by the way, something we should do with everyone we engage with is, is stop and think, wait, uh, I'm reacting like they are attacking me. Are they really attacking me? You realize when you get defensive, you're assuming you're being attacked, right? That's what a defense is. It's, we put up our defenses when we're being attacked or when we feel like we're being attacked. So if you are defensive with your spouse or a friend, it's because you feel like you're being attacked. So one thing that helps me is when I start to feel defensive in any setting is to stop and say, wait a minute, am I being attacked? Because I'm, I'm being defensive, which means I think I'm being attacked. Am I really being attacked? Did she say that as an attack? Is she trying to hurt me? Is she trying to take me out? Right? That's what an attack is. Right? Is she firing weapons at me, seeking to do me harm? No. It's my wife. She loves me. Now, she may be frustrated about something and her tone may be different than I would prefer it, but is she really seeking to do me harm? No, I don't believe that. I don't think she would ever intentionally do me. I shouldn't say never. I mean, we, you know, we, we do that right in relationships, but I, she's not seeking to do me harm right now. So why am I defending myself as though I'm under attack? Well, I don't like something about what she's saying or how she's saying it or Maybe it's hitting a little too close to home and now I have to defend my honor even though she's right. Whatever. That's a tool I use to try not to engage in strife and dissension is when I get defensive and my, you know, starts in here in my mind to stop and say, wait, am I being attacked? Almost always the answer is no. At least in the, in, in my, you know, sort of inner circles of my family and people in our fellowship and friends and that kind of thing. They're not, they don't attack me. My neighbors aren't attacking me. Now online, sure, sometimes people attack me. Well, uh, most of the time I just laugh that off um, if it's a true attack, if it's, you know, derogatory comments. But what do we do? We so often interpret someone who disagrees with us as an attack. And I think we as a culture, that's kind of where we are. We're not good at disagreeing. We're not good at receiving disagreement. How do we ever learn? How do you learn anything if, if no one ever disagrees with you? I think we've got to get to the place where we welcome disagreement. We want it. And nobody wants to be told, you're an idiot. How could you believe that for a second, you're stupid, et cetera, et cetera. Nobody wants to be told that. But when someone says, no, it's not this, it's that, they're not saying you're an idiot, right? As soon as you say something, it's out there in the marketplace of ideas. It's out there to be consumed. I assume, uh, well, you, you know, when I, when I teach, right, when I articulate things, I'm trying to persuade you that I'm right. And that you should 
believe this and take whatever action. That's what a teacher does. Here, this is the information you don't have and you need to have this information. Well, if you disagree with that information that I'm putting forth and I interpret that as an attack or you think I'm an idiot, I shouldn't be teaching. And therefore, I would push that back on you as well. If you say, if you assert something and someone says, I don't think that's correct, regardless of the words they choose, but what they're saying is, no, I think you're wrong. And you interpret that as an attack. Well, they think I'm an idiot. They're being harsh and cruel. No, you shouldn't have asserted anything if you're not willing to have someone challenge it. How often does this happen in politics, political discussion? Right? That, that's all we're going to hear all year are political statements. And you, most of you, have very strong beliefs and opinions about who you are for or against politically. Are you willing to consider that you're wrong? I find that when it comes to politics, people are very bold in their assertions and then get very pouty and defensive very quickly when anybody has a different opinion. Part of that is because that's exactly what the enemy is trying to do, is create that kind of dissension. Instead of us creating a space where we have a conversation about it, maybe there's a perspective you have that I haven't considered and vice versa. Maybe at the end of the day, we really do disagree. So, all right. How do we live together and love one another in spite of that disagreement? That's what the scripture calls us to do. That's what the Lord Jesus calls us to do. And I'm telling you, the only way that's going to happen this year for you is if you just choose, you make a decision to refuse to engage in dissension and strife. Good, loving debate, have at it. I welcome it too. But strife and dissension, and you are a cause of it, some of you, sometimes. I don't know who you are. What I should say is, we all need to be willing to look at ourselves and say, am I causing strife and dissension? And we justify, we rationalize, we give ourselves the benefit of the doubt so often that we don't give to others. And I'm urging each one of us to stop, especially as we go through this heated political season and ask, am I causing strife and dissension? And it's not just over politics. It could be over anything. Refuse to engage in that and see how much more joy you experience this year. All right, last thing, very quickly. We'll, we'll spend more time on this uh, down the road because this, this is just one that's going to come again and again and again. If you want to be a more joyful, rejoicing person, you must identify the blessings the Lord is giving to you. You must. You must make it a regular habit of naming them, listing them, naming them, calling them out, receiving them as gifts, and giving thanks for them. Some of you have heard me talk about this before. Every Sunday... 
the first thing we do as a fellowship is we go around the room and everyone shares at least one blessing from the Lord this week. And we often remind ourselves every good gift comes from our Father above. Every good thing, big or small. You know, if he heals you of cancer, you better believe we are going to celebrate that. Rejoice in his blessing. Uh, if you get a raise at work, we're going to celebrate that. I'm trying to think now. Our, our people share sometimes very, very small, you know, relatively small things. But what's great is I can see that they all get it now. The Lord is heaping blessing on us day in and day out. Even the little things that they, the things they weren't observing before, they're observing now. And there is more joy among these people than there were when we started a couple of years ago. And as new people come, you can just see the transition. At first, they're kind of thinking, okay, this is good. Yeah, we should be thankful. And then after a few weeks, it becomes the highlight of their week to come and share what the Lord is doing, what, he, what he's gifted them with and blessed them with. Try it. Put me to the test on this. Right now, has the Lord blessed you this week? Well, let me rephrase. Of course he has. How has the Lord blessed you this week? Can you name some things? Have you given him thanks for those? Put this in your reminders. Put this in your to-do list. Every day to pause and reflect on something good the Lord has given to you, provided for you, done for you. Give him thanks. It'll change your perspective on life. The Lord Jesus is so kind. He is lavishing his grace upon us. We need to receive it and give him thanks for it and the joy will overflow. And people will notice and it'll be contagious. All right, going to leave it there. Uh, it's been a, a great couple of weeks for me at least. <laughs> Hope it has been for you. I look forward to Monday rejoining you live again for those who can join us. And uh, we will uh, get back to Romans on Monday. Or uh, I think I mentioned that uh, if we get enough of the questions that I think will be helpful, then we'll spend Monday on a, a Q&A on the last series I did. So we'll see how that turns out. But uh, thanks for uh, joining us. Give some thought to these things, and we will see you on Monday. God bless you.